think sales is one of those things, if you've got the right mindset and you're not trying to rip anyone off, and you always be caring and give more than you expect, and don't worry about the money, the money is just a result of how well you operate, I think you'll be very successful. Welcome to the Tales of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Broden Johnson. I've spent close to a decade living and breathing sales, and I've learned that everyone's in sales, whether we know it or not. Once a week, I have the pleasure of speaking with amazing people from all walks of life to hear their tales of sales. Into the podcast with the first question. Okay. What's your uh, craziest sales story you've got for us today? Well... Most people in sales, because I've come up through sales before marketing, has always taught me about always be closing, and I've actually changed that. I'm, I'm about mm-hmm. always be caring. I think that's good. So I'm all about listening and then trying to work on a solution that's going to be the best thing for them. And uh, obviously you've heard upstairs when I was talking about how I've been influenced by Professor Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. and uh, how he has manipulated my thought pattern to always give with no expectation in return. Mm-hmm. That's what I think I did a lot of time. When I was in my early uh, 20s and I was in sales and I was selling um, snowboard equipment mm-hmm. on the Gold Coast here, one of the things I used to do is actually make people feel very comfortable in the surroundings with, that I was selling in. So they would come in and at ski and snow season to get some higher equipment to be protected for the snow. Mm-hmm. So what I'd do is I'd actually, while they've come in there and they're going to sp- probably spend a couple of hundred bucks just on getting rental gear, which would have been good for the couple of days down there. Yep. I used to put on some um, videos and show them the kind of fun and end result mm. by having an experience of the snow. And then I would explain to them that, hey, in the equipment we have, it's quite inefficient. It's only there to actually have volume through people. If they wanted to have a great day in the snow, especially in the um, alpine resorts of Victoria, New South Wales, mm. it's very wet, but it gets cold. So to have that final experience, by having a bit more upspend, mm. they were going to get products that were more breathable and more comfortable. So the end result was going to be an enjoyable time rather than wet, cold and damp. Right. Having said that, I sold them up from 200 into 800. Right. The best thing that happened is they returned back into the shop three weeks later and said, we've had the best time and this equipment was amazing. So thanks. And they'd bring, bring probably three or four people back. Yeah, okay. So that was always be caring, not always be closing. So I could have probably just got out of the $200 with some rental gear, mm-hmm. but I listened. I gave them my experience of being in the snow and what they were going to experience, educated them, then they made a decision and everyone was happy. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, it's about providing that value, and I think that's a big point. That Always a lot and of, forever. Yeah, and I think that's a big point a lot of people miss out on what social media is about. Um, a lot of people get it right too, don't get me wrong, but a lot yeah. of people also think that they can, you know, they put all these call to actions, buy here, buy here, but it's a, it's a platform to provide value. And That's exactly right. That's where you'll get the, the world of, of um, help from your customers. Your customers will want to interact with you. And as, as you've been experienced, like sure. you've been doing a lot on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing? Yeah, well, I've actually just been on LinkedIn. Oh, I, I've been on this since 2012. And um, obviously, I didn't take much notice of it because it was a platform for more um, human resources and hiring and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I actually followed the journey of uh, Adam Houlihan, who's a very good uh, operator on LinkedIn, um, in the top 1% viewed profiles in the world, and just saw how he communicated and how he used what's called social serving. Mm. Um, On LinkedIn, you never sell anything. You always give to your community. 
and then you jump into a lot of the communication and you actually keep giving and you keep giving and giving and giving with no expectation in return like I was speaking about before. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, the, the most amazing things happen when you go in there and you become what's called preeminent on a platform and people see that you're actually giving so much, they actually feel guilty. So they want to come back in and give you something for, for free, mm. whether it be service or a product and things like that. And then you push back and say, no, I'm not interested. And that really sort of fucks with their, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. And that sort of really fucks with their head and they're like, shit, doesn't this guy want anything? So the more you push out a value without taking anything back, it avalanches. Yeah. How can I, give, you, you guilt them into wanting to do something for you. So it could be passing your name onto someone else or getting you to do some work with them. And that's how I found the platform, by actually spending time on there and giving so much good advice and all your free, all the advice I've gained in sales and marketing over the years, especially my time at Red Bull, mm-hmm. and giving it away for no expectation in return, just saying, hey, here's some really valuable advice. Because I think success leaves clues. Yeah. And I write blueprints for people now. And I talk about my time at Red Bull and what I learned and how they went to market so differently than anything I'd ever, ever seen. And one thing I noticed that Red Bull were very, very good in the way that they always told the athlete's story rather than the actual beverage story. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. So the beverage was just a utility the athlete used to actually hit their goals. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went to the same profile where I started to my own podcast and was always trying to pull out the stories of everyone and just show the good in people because I think that we need to make positivity louder, not always focus on um, you know the bitching and crying that everyone has, like poor me. So I always try to see the best in people. Yeah. And that happens by giving value and seeing them elevate and then lift as a person or in their um, chosen career. And, you know, the more you help people, the more they just want to help you back. So I, I just can't see anything, a downside to that, you know. So that's why I say always be caring, always listen. Yeah. Listen to what they want to achieve and then help them deliver that. That's right. Because it always comes back to you by gratitude. That's it. I don't know if that's sales to me. Well, I think that I think that hits a lot of sales on the head. I mean, in throughout my course, I teach salespeople are problem solvers. And yeah. if you can solve that problem, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to charge everyone for that problem. Sure. Because if you can sure. provide that value and you can help as many sure. people as you can, sure. then that'll 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 spread exponentially. Sure. And there's always an abundance of, of opportunities. So if you're trying to sell someone and within five minutes you're not getting a vibe, then thank them very much for their time and move on. Don't try to sell the unsellable. Mm. It's a waste of time. You want to find out who's got the same kind of values and principles as you and then find out even their layers. Hey, I'm trying to sell you this product, but what else do you like? Do you like Carlton Football Club? Where do we have other synergies? Because that's always an elevator to how we build community as well. So it's not always on the product on the product fact. Go deeper. Find out about people. Whenever I go to a, um, a networking meeting, I always jump in, give people five minutes of my time. But I don't say anything. I just listen. Yeah. And then I say, hey, thanks very much for that. Can I show you something? And I just give them some value on LinkedIn, how to use a LinkedIn mobile app and how to connect with people through search and I leave them with their mouth open saying, wow, this guy just listened. And then he gave me some value and doesn't want anything back. So mm. always be caring. I think that's rule 101 at networking yep. is you don't go there to pitch. You go there to help. And everyone goes there to pitch. That's right. Know. Because, I mean, what I've learned from the networking meetings and I've gone to is that the people at the networking meetings are not going to be your clients. Those yep. are not the people that are actually going to buy your services. Yep. It's if you can provide excellent value to them, they're the ones that are going to tell their friends that you can provide value to them and then you're going to be able to build a, a, a fan base or yep. a client base yep. based from that value that you first initially able human, to give. Human ink is so underrated. Like people mm. are the best people to spread your and sneeze your uh, message around. So, you know, if you actually leave that conversation and they're quite um, taken back by the generosity of whatever you've given them um, and you haven't tried to pitch anything, you just listened, which they're, they're trying to tell their story, uh, that's such an upside to a, a relationship, yeah. 100%.
Absolutely. So going back onto Red Bull, though, what was your role there? Because you were there okay. back in 2001, is that right? Yep, yep, That's yep. when you first started? Uh, 2001, yep. yep. So I'd been a part of the brand as a consumer for a few years before that at the big day out and a few of those other places. But yep. um, I actually got lucky enough to work with uh, Red Bull when they were la- launching into Australia up in the Brisbane office. So they're very small back in the day. I think there was only five employees. Wow. And my role was what was called, um, I was a striker. So I looked after um, on-premise, which is anywhere, bars, clubs, hotels and things like that, and the music events. Mm. And I'd come in from a, from a real athlete perspective and um, working with the product. So they did some really great education because I only had one skew. So I only had to learn about the product, but really deep. So it was very niche in the brand. Yeah. Um, and I got to work with some amazing people. And, I, you know, some of the things that I learned about Red Bull back in the day was um, the owner itself owned more money than the Austrian bank. And it's privately owned by Dietrich Manasich. Yeah. And he had such a great vision, as like I spoke to you before, was about always tell the athlete's story and then the utility of the brand mm-hmm. of the product. Another thing also about branding, it was always Red Bull, da, da, da. It was never, you know, so it was either Red Bull and vodka or Red Bull Air Race or Red Bull. So they really profiled the brand really strongly. And I learned yeah. a lot about it, And that was how Red Bull really got into the market so it only had one skew it's normal skew and then in the time i was there they brought in a product called sugar free because the category was changing yeah and then by the time i left and that was like uh you know seven years or eight years later they'd had quite a few skews four packs and the whole thing now red bull's kind of moved away from that really cool culture look it's still very cool good brand but it's a bit more it, it's not the culture it used to be when i was there even some of the guys that work there now still think to me, wow, or oh, they send me a message and say, it's not like it used to be. To give you an example, one of the last years I was there in 2007, we used to put, um, we had an activation at the Summerfield Days music mm. event, and it was, I think it was three main stages, and then we had an event wigwam, like an event tent, spider tent, mm. and I put 10,000 watts of sound under that tent on the pure fact that there was a guy, I was staying at the Red Bull House in Queenstown mm. probably uh, eight months before, and he said that he, he was a base jumper, and he said that he parachuted using one of those tents. And I thought, I could outdo that. I'm an Aussie. <laughs> so I put 10,000 watts of sound, then put the Stafford Brothers and Timmy Trumpet under that. Wow. And we had at least 5,000 people underneath, around that tent. We sold out a Red Bull within two hours of that event being over, first time ever. Yeah. And I kept that crowd. So we provided a wow factor and the brand was speaking. Mm. And uh, even people still talk about that now. And plus I thought, wow, because we had to stay within the fines of the tent mm. by the promoter, couldn't come out. So to put the main stages had like, I think, seven or eight line array speakers. We had four. The whole stage was a subwoofer of the Red Bull tent. Like wow. the, the DJs were just feeling the pump. And oh, yeah. So, and I was lucky enough to get the tick of approval by Tommy Sigelski out of Sydney, who was a cultural manager, said, yeah, go for it. Wow. That was the advantage of working such a brilliant company like Red Bull. They actually loved when you had an out there idea and concept, the Red Bull way. Mm-hmm. And uh, another time I got to DJ lucky enough down the Melbourne Grand Prix, four days on track. And uh, on the last day, I just, I, we, the whole room was pumping in the VIP, t- VIP tent. And I don't know why, but I just turned all the sound up because the vibe was so good. And someone ran in and said, hey, the speakers are smoking. And I looked at the event organizer, um, Kari, and I said, is this okay? She goes, it's the Red Bull Wayne. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks. You know, so, you know, it, it, was, so, so yeah, it was just such a good culture. The product, 
you know, I've been drinking it for like 20 years, two to three cans a day as I just walked in with one. Yeah. People like to tell me, oh, how bad it is. And I'm like, hey, it mustn't be for everyone because I've, I feel great. So one thing when I was at Red Bull, I got to learn a lot about the, the benefits and the product. And, you know, I'm pretty, pretty savvy with what I, I learn and, and know. So I haven't seen any side effects and I've been drinking it for many years and it's helped me get up. And I get up at 3.30 every morning. I train, I surf and... I do business till around about eight o'clock at night, and I just rinse and repeat. Yeah, I think seven that's days a, a week. I think that's a day in the life of a, of a business much. person, Pretty isn't much. it? So that's kind of my story, you know. Like, I, I give gratitude because I learnt from a lot of great people at Red Bull. It took me a long time to get into the brand, uh, into the company, because they were pretty. They filtered a lot of people because mm-hmm. they wanted their personality. But I was just pretty hungry to be um, successful as far as myself and and how much i could grow so i gave so much to that brand i think i even won like brand and brand manager for the year award or something like that because of that that um activation at some field days but mate i would have worked for them for free yeah that was just that sort of place wasn't it yeah it it was an absolutely amazing place and plus it was at the start when red bull vodka and red bull jaeger bombs were coming out and we were driving all those activations on in market and stuff like that but just being allowed to you know hey i'd ring up the guys over in new zealand say i'm coming over a bunch of friends can we stay at the red bull house like yep no one's there you can stay there and you'd be there and all of a sudden these athletes are coming from australia and i was like man i'm only out of I'm, I'm from a little town in victoria called frankston out of melbourne like i was you know, i'm thinking wow look where i am and I'm, I'm in new zealand and you know i'm very thankful yeah. Very thankful for the opportunities that have been presented to me. But I tell you what, I've taken every opportunity and just ran with it to the best of my ability. And I think I'm only getting strong. I've just turned 51 and okay. I feel like I'm 29. Yeah, mate. So, yeah, bring it on, I say. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see how you go with the Sales Academy and, and the learnings. Because I know that you've been knocked down, mm-hmm. but you're back up. And you'll get knocked down again and you'll be back up. And Absolutely. I think that I can see it in your eyes that you've just got the... It doesn't matter. You're just going to keep going. They can keep knocking you down like one of those pool toys. You just keep coming up. That's, it. That's a winner. Well, I've been told many times before that how do you how do you just keep it going? Like how are you not giving up? And what's the alternative? Well, well, that's right. And and I'm the sort of person that the moment something shit happens that doesn't in my favour, I just look at it and go, "Where's the silver lining? What can I learn? Great, no worries." And I'll start smiling, and they'll be like, "What are you smiling for? You just that just happened." It's like, "Well, this is a lesson." Yep. I didn't like. I'm I'm getting all these free lessons here, or, or not not always free, but yeah. I'm getting these lessons that I cannot learn anywhere else. And I know I've learned a lot of lessons um, at my age. I mean, I'm only 25, but I've learned a lot of lessons through my life that a lot of others haven't learned yet. Sure. Let's um, just sit on that for a sec. Yeah. Do you know how young 25 is? If I'm 51 and I've done all this, and you're 25, you're just starting. Absolutely. So you've got a long way to go, and a lot of great times, and a lot of heartaches, obviously, because that's Absolutely. what happens when you put it out there. But, um, yeah, I think sales is one of those things. If you've got the right mindset and you're not trying to rip anyone off and you always be caring and give more than you expect and don't worry about the money, the money is just a result of how well you operate, I think you'll be very successful. Thank you. That's what it's all about. and It's about providing that value. And I want to be able to share my experiences because the the benefits I've had from from learning all this has, has been tenfold it's been an awesome experience and it's changed my life to go through what i've been through and and what i've learned and what i've picked up over the last sort of nearly 10 years sure so if i can share some of that with other people then sure okay well let's let's keep adding value to your listeners let's hear a couple of other gold nuggets that would really help people out in their sales 
Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So I think, well, a, a particular chapter I was writing of my book the other day yeah. was storytelling. Yeah. So I think when it comes down to whether it's sales or, or even marketing, sure. storytelling is a really important part. Sure. When Can it I comes just stop you it. there? Yeah. Storytelling's great. We've moved on now. It's called story showing. There's a guy called Sam Cawthorn. Mm-hmm. He runs um, Speakers Institute. God lost his arm in a car accident. And yeah. uh, he used to tell stories. Now he shows his stories live on stage. Mm. So I think it's a deeper way of actually people starting to communicate as the modalities you're talking about. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Keep going. No, no. And, and, and I do agree. I think if you look at where storytelling started, you know, all the years ago, well, cavemen yeah. or whatever, you yeah. know, it, it started drawings and it's moved along. And now with video and social media, it, it, it is becoming story showing at the end Correct. of the day. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a new thing that I've got to get into is is doing the videos and being comfortable with that sort of thing. And it's it's not easy, but I think that's what you have to do sure. um, to be able to show those stories. But sure. I guess the point I'm making on the storytelling is that, especially when it comes to selling, is you can tell your customer, and, and I emphasize the word tell because you might say, X, Y, Z, feature, 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 benefit. That's not doesn't really work at the end of the day. You've got, you've got to you've got to put that into a story that is compelling and, and something that isn't going to engage your customer so that they want to listen to you and they can see the benefit from it. So sure. instead of telling them what your service is or telling them how great your your service is, you do a bit of what we've been speaking about, providing value and how other people have had value from your service and what successes they've had from it. Sure. And you turn those same features and benefits into a story or a success story sure. um, or whatever the story is you're telling, you turn into a story that, that, that's compelling um, for your customers because people take that in a lot more or if you sure. can turn it into a video or whatever it is, you sure. share it in a way that's more engaging. Because you know we're just bags of emotion, right? So if you absolutely. connect with that, I'm yeah. um, pretty sure that people will come into you and consider. I think consider is a big, a big word that people in sales should use. Mm-hmm. You only want people to consider your offer and then you can lead them a bit further into what they might want, need to know. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to situation at the moment i'm just about to sell a property up on uh, pacific pines mm-hmm. at the end of smith street and um i've got a, re- uh, a real estate guy coming in to sell it mm-hmm. now i'm thinking if i put one of those sign boards up and say for sale and have photos of the house am i better off just having photos of inside the house or am i better off say having a photo of a kangaroo eating my grass like they normally do and show real different mm-hmm like us swimming in the pool and, you know, show that yeah. rather than just having a normal, hey, here's the kitchen, no one's in there. Mm-hmm. Here's a bathroom, no one's in there. But here's a lawn the kangaroos are come up to all the time because I live kind of a little bit at, at rural there. Yeah. I thought that's more of a selling point for someone who wants to move in and, and want that experience too. Would I be right or would I just go normally and just get those pictures of inside the house or the kitchen and what everyone else does. Like, how am I going to get that wow factor for my house, which is yeah. in the cul-de-sac? Mm-hmm. But we always have kangaroos come in and graze on the lawn, which we think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And we've got a swimming pool and we have fun in it, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, am I wrong thinking no, that? Because no, no. my wife think, yeah, tried to you're say, right you're wrong. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think one of the and, best words you can you can use when selling is disrupt. You know, you've I got like to it. disrupt that that. That, uh, that original way of thinking, you I know, like everyone it. does something the same way, but the moment you can get that buyer like or off that off that disruption, so everyone, yep. in, in what I say, everyone's got a buyer's script, so yep. it doesn't matter what you're selling, everyone's got the same script that internally that they go through, so when they get someone call them on the phone, telemarketer, they, they say the same things every single time it. because it gets them off the phone. Yeah. It's the moment someone disrupts that and gets them off course that suddenly yep. they're, in, they're, they're in a land they're not used to, yep. and doing things like that, are, I think, are a great way to disrupt what is a, a traditional method of selling is okay. that you are stel- you're selling that story and yep. 
the only reason I would get a signboard when I was used to be in real estate anyway yeah. for a house yeah. was with with images anyway is if that house had a story that could be sold so yeah. okay. it had an awesome backyard or it had something particular that you couldn't see from the front of the street sure I get it so yep. you could show people what this house is really about okay but I think so it extends the story yeah but I think if you're able to do something like that I think that takes that story to the next level and it okay. really shows that this is a lifestyle. Yes. This, you, you're not just buying a house, you're buying a dream because people yep. do buy off emotions yes. and they'll later justify it with logic, but they're going to buy emotionally first. So if you can Perfect. connect that Perfect. that buyer emotionally, Perfect. you're going to have a lot more yep. um, situation. I was talking about this with Brett on our last podcast okay. about um, about how, how a buyer will do that because they might have two houses, right? One's a four-bedroom home, two-bathroom, double lock-up. That's what they need to yep. fit their family. Yep. But they'll buy the three-bedroom because because they fell in love with it. Right. And then they'll later say, it's got good bones. It's a good location. Yeah. Because they, they, they're justifying it with that logic. Sure, but sure. But they bought it emotionally. So give it a crack. Okay, Disrupt. Well, yeah, well, you've what's come the worst from, that can happen? That's right. You've come from that space. I wanted to say, what's your thoughts? Because I was out the front there this morning and I was watering a few plants and I saw, saw some kangaroo dung and I was like... That's actually, that's pretty cool when we see them come here. And I thought, hang on, I'm selling it. Wouldn't it be good for a new family? Because I've got a full bedroom that came in and said, hey, we'd love to have that wildlife come up. And, and I thought there's an emotive thing. So mm. putting it to you, because you've come from real estate and successful, I just want to see, did it have credibility? Should I trial it? Mm. And I, you've given me the tick of Absolutely. So I, think, I think give it a crack because who else is doing that? I love it. And if you can disrupt it, it, then yours is the one that stands out of the 47 other but properties the funny thing. on Saturday. Here's the funny thing. My wife, who's there, should be supporting me, was not keen to do it. She wanted to say, I'll oh, let the real estate guys do what they normally do. And I'm like, but they'll be wrong. Hmm. I'm a marketer. That's I know. Right. So I, there, there was my second fight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, and I just I got a wife too who, yep. you know, it doesn't mm. always agree with everything I do, but mm. I think you sometimes you just have to give things a crack and you have to. I'm going to replay this podcast. That's yeah. awesome. Give it, tell her to give me a call. I will do. <laughs> Are you still selling property at all or not at all? No, I, I mean, I. Do a few investment properties here and there, but okay. nothing, nothing official. Okay. Honestly, do you want to come are. back into the? <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> my license anymore. Okay, cool. It, 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 it expired a little while ago. Cool. Um, I just don't have the time of the day anymore. You sure. know, at the end of the day, I'm staying up till till eleven thirty midnight yeah, most nights, just done. just trying to get things done. Yeah, sure. Um, well, look, who influences you? A lot of people do. I mean, I'm I'm lucky that my mum's always been a good supporter of me. I love that. Um, so I've I've always had that that really good support. But I think more importantly, my wife, just going back into that, is that she's always supported me in, in everything I've done. And although she's she's been a stay-at-home mum for the last you know four or five yeah. years, which is the hardest job of all, mind you. Do you know why you do you know why you love you love your mum? Because she loved you first. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense, doesn't it? Makes sense. Yeah. So I think those are two big people. But just over the last few years, that I've been expanding my network and, and meeting people like yourself, meeting people like Brett. Um, getting I'm I'm learning to just open up to to people and get advice from them because at the end of the day I don't have to take it on but I can I can see if, if that fits well with me and you don't know what you don't know until you know it so sure. it's about learning and, and, and getting people out there to to offer their opinions especially if they've been through something similar or they've had more experiences than their own way I think everyone as you said to me when you first come in this morning everyone has something to offer they do. doesn't matter so listen. what level you're at Listen, Correct. and everyone, every single person you meet Correct. is going to have something that they've been through that only them have been through, and you can yep. learn from it, perhaps. Yep. And it's been something just, just new since I've started my own marketing company is I work with businesses that I'm starting to call bullshit on. Hmm. So they're saying to me, um, listen, I haven't got enough time to do that. And I'm like, that's bullshit. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm saying, well, how much time are you 
oversleeping or ha- like sleeping's great six to seven hours great how many times are you wearing uh, sorry are you watching netflix mm. so you need to audit yourself to see mm-hmm. how much time you can give up and really start self-educating yourself yeah if you don't know something go and learn it because you don't want to be in business and have some pass on some task to a young kid but you don't know how to gauge it mm. so always try to be learning as much as you can so you know i'm a big advocate on not watching television because Number one, there's probably not a great deal of good stuff on, but if you can take that time and to listen to audio books or podcasts like this and pick up a few really good sound bites, that's going to change your mind. Because it's really a few things. Like I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk all the time. Mm -hmm. He says he's only got seven things he ever always says, but sometimes he'll say something and I'm like, he's unlocked it for me. I'm like, he's right. Yeah. I'm like, dude, so I apply it and he's right. How good is the age we live in though, that we can literally pick up anything. Very lucky. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I, I'm always trying to learn something, and and I love that. Like my brain's like a sponge. Yeah. Um. If I'm training at the gym, I've got an audio book going, and I'm. I, that's, it doesn't matter what you're doing. That's the success because I, you need to multitask. Absolutely, 100%. and you you might not necessarily take everything in, but you know, in between reps, I'm writing down notes, and yeah. doesn't matter. You just I think the yeah. age that we live in today, you can learn anything at any time for free or very cheap at the end of the day. 100%, 100%. So I think there's there's lots of great things out there, but. I mean, yeah. I don't have my tallies plugged into the wall anymore for, for television because yeah. it's, if, it's yeah, if you just really not want to go necessary. After, if you want to be good at business, you need to learn and you need to stop watching television and, and seasons of Lost and all that kind of stuff and go into, you know, really start to educate And because there's a lot of people now giving away all their best stuff. I spoke about it for free. So if you can listen right. to it and then apply it, and a big part about it is the execution. Rather than say, oh, I just heard that really good nugget and then saying, oh, I might try that one day, always say Yes. Yes. Do it. Just Tell them the story. What happened? You, ra- you rang me and you said, would you be on my podcast? What did I say? Let's do it tomorrow. There you go. Straight away. I think, yeah, saying yes to everything. And I, I think that's a big difference. And Brett actually mentioned this to me the other day. He said the gunners and the doers and, you know, there's people that will, will say, yes, that sounds great. Never do it. Yep. But I think if you can apply that, whether it backfires or not, that's that you're going to get a lesson one way or another. Yep. So if I think if you can do those things, then you'll move forward. Yep. Yeah. But um, to, I mean, to ask a question, do you think everyone's in sales? Yeah. Yeah. I think they are. Because you're always selling yourself at some point, whether it be your look or your personality. Um, big part of marketing, everyone's self-branding. Um, and, and so they should, you know, because we're individuals, individuals and mm-hmm. we've all got something to offer, 100%. Yeah, okay. I think you, you pretty much hit that nail on the head. I always ask everyone that question and like to see what, what responses I get. Well, people but don't want to become across as, as if they're a car salesman by over-exaggerating, over but I think salesmen have the best jobs in the world if they believe in what they're selling because yeah. they're going to give you everything that they know about the product and benefits and all that kind of stuff, but they're going to give you real depth information. I, I'm, I've A new product, you probably can't obviously because they're filming audio, but <laughs> I'm working with a company at the moment and we've brought out these new video brochures. And yeah. the reason we've done that is just... Um, you open it up and it starts to play. But the idea of that is the whole story showing. Yeah, you well. Know, why you go into, um, you send that off to somebody and at number one, they get a bulky gift. So they're like, oh, what's that? So they'll open it up and mm. it goes into playing the, the cut through message straight away. So the mm. wow factor's there, but they get that complete cut through message and then they go, wow, and they'll pass it on. Hey, have a look at this thing to someone else. Mm. So the pass along rate's great. And then what you do when you send that along, you say, hey, I'm going to come back in, regardless if you like my product or not, just to answer any questions but to collect it back up and say thanks for your time with maybe another small gift or whatever. But they're going to think that's a pretty cool way of cutting through mm-hmm. to getting your med- me- uh, message across in a day of 
you know, internet and interaction where the old mail, the old bulky thing gets opened. That's so right. sometimes you've got to push against what's normal just to be creative. That's it. I actually looked at something similar when I was in real estate to do it instead of just doing the regular fryer drops in the mailbox one. that every single person gets. And something not, like that was, was well, guaranteed to be open and given attention. 100% plus because you don't have to wait. If you've got a new product coming to market, you don't have to wait for a new print run. You just upload your new video. Mm, that's a good point. So, yeah, really good. So I recommend that kind of thing. Absolutely. So back into your sales career though, when do you, do you think you were a born salesperson or did you learn your sales at a particular time? No, or? no, I was never a born salesperson. I just like to give people the right advice. And because mm. I'd spent so, many, so much time, I was a snowboard instructor over in Canada, that I knew the conditions that we'd be snowboarding in. So when I went into the snow shop, I just told them the truth. Mm. I said, don't buy that, it's, you're going to be too cold. What do you suggest? Well, for this condition, you need this kind of, you know, outfit for this reason and need to be layered and that kind of... they're like, really? I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honest, just stopped talking said, yeah. So they said, well, the whole thing was like, we're either going to listen or we're not. And because I'd taken on the journey and showed them about what they would be expecting down there in the cold elements, minus um, conditions, mm-hmm. they trusted me. And when they came back, they said, because you never really have a product until they try it. That's right. Once she tried it, and then the pass-through rate, then she said, when they, oh, it was a guy and a girl, and when they came back, they said, we're going to tell our friends that you were the right part, person to come and see. Yeah. I said, that'd be great. Yeah. Honesty. Absolutely. So that's how I that's how I got into sales. So I was just doing doing the um, activity and then passing down my evaluation of it, what I used, because I was doing the R&D. Mm-hmm. I was out backcountry. I was out snowboarding. I was out sweating. I was, you know, so I knew the garments, how they would work and how yeah. the permeability and that kind of stuff. So when I came in and that word got around, the shop got big and we were the go-to place because we were honest and authentic. Yeah. We weren't trying to sell product that was not right for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I'd probably say the boss would love us to sell more of the products that weren't selling, but it was the ordering that took place that was wrong, but it's another story. But you will always, if you believe in your product, you will always be a good salesperson. Absolutely. Because yeah. you can, it, 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 that's something I think you can't, that you can't fake. And, or and, should you? Or you, you shouldn't at the end of the day Correct. either. So, Correct. I mean, that's that, that that's something I strongly believe in now is, is, is ethics behind selling because you... You can. Well, you've seen you, the downside. Well, exactly. You need, you need to be able to be back yourself up in your product. And the question I ask myself, whatever I'm selling now, would I sell this to my mum? Would I so be happy should. for her to come on board and, and pay as much as anyone else? Yeah. And I could feel happy that she's getting the value. And if I can't answer yes to that, then I don't think it's something I should be selling. Yep. Um, that's, just, that's just one of the things that sort of go through my head on, on how I'm going through it. Yeah. But... I mean, throwing back a question at you, what's one thing that you see salespeople doing wrong um, often and, and how would you correct it? Uh, they, I see them trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Really try to be closing, really, you know, get to know me first. Find out what my drivers are, what my values are. You know, if they're just basically just, oh, you've got to buy this. And I hate when you go and buy some new clothes and they say, you look great in that. But I could have put on anything they would have said look great. So it's, I, I can, maybe I'm coming from the sales background, but I can see. Uh, Don't worry, I say that too. Yeah, yeah. so that's obviously. And I actually like doing that. I actually go into places and let them sell me, mm-hmm. and just really pump them up and say they've almost got the sale, and then just say I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "But you seem so happy." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." 
I think that's a game that all salespeople play. Yeah, I think so. We get the sales call. We just want to hear what they're. Well, again, I think it's a way that we're learning. On how someone else deals with it. Yeah, but I've always been honest because I was looking for a couple of shoes. I can't remember what the shop was, and the guy was so good at just servicing me that well. He says, "Look, we just haven't got your size." He could have probably put me in a size smaller or bigger, but he didn't, and I appreciate that. And he says, "Listen, I haven't got." And I said, "When do you reckon you'll get those shoes in?" Said, "Oh, a couple of weeks." I said, "Give me a call. I'll come back and buy a few when when you're ready." And he did, and I bought them. Because yeah. his honesty, yeah, it, it was worth my customer service. I mean, my customer loyalty. It didn't try to sell you into anything else that you yep. weren't hundred percent happy on. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think honesty is everything for honest. me. Honest, absolutely. So, don't try so hard, is what you're saying, and just yep. just be honest. Be honest with your customers, and, and if they, they walk will appreciate out, that. You know, not everyone has to be sold to. It's the pass along that you even took the time to service them, mm-hmm. because they might not be in the right mindset to buy exactly what you're offering at that time. But if your service is good enough. When they are ready to buy, have a guess who they're coming back to. Correct. It's about that that that, that front of front of mind awareness. One hundred percent. So each section, I sort of pick out a topic sales related to ask a couple of questions around for each guest. So topic today I've just picked out is prospecting. I thought it'd be something that would relate well with you being in the industry you're in. So what's what's one way that you prospect in today's age? I go on to Twitter and I follow them for three weeks and see what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back and connect with them if they want to be connected on LinkedIn and talk about what they were talking about, not about the product I'm trying to sell. So okay. I build a relationship first. Mm-hmm. But I think LinkedIn's such a great tool because you get to um, connect with people from all over the world. Um, you get to find out all about them from their profile page. Um, but you never spam on that, that platform. You're always social serve, and that's by jumping into their comments and saying... That looks good. Or one thing I spend a lot of time on is wishing people happy birthdays. I'm religious about that. Um, I can see my feed coming through. I might have said it three years in a row. They've never come back and said one thing. Then one time they'll come back and say, oh, thanks. Yeah. But I know it means a lot when they open up. And like this guy said the other day, Nicholas is one of our agents over in Italy, I think it was. And he said, you said happy birthday before my mum did. And I said, yeah, I know, but she loves you more. I don't know why I said that, but it made an impression that I said happy birthday. So I make a point on LinkedIn. You can either when someone changes the job role, mm-hmm. you um, can say congrats. Yeah, I used to do that, but I don't anymore, unless it's someone I really know and appreciate. But the happy birthday is as religious for me yep. because it's such a special day. Because no one forget, no one really celebrates them anymore. You know, and in business, someone might you know come out with a cake or whatever. But if you get a, a message come through and someone says, and it's not a default message, just says happy birthday, hope you have a great day. Here's another year you're wise, and it's a real personal message. Mm-hmm. Like it could never lead to anything, but I just feel good doing it. And I I can't see anyone resenting that. I don't either. Like who? And who? I've never got business from it that I think, but I just feel good doing it. But you're that front of mind as well, so yep. maybe you have, you just don't know about it. Maybe, maybe. But I'm telling you, LinkedIn is such a powerful platform for getting to know prospects, learning about them, um, giving them value up front. And, you know, as Gary Vaynerchuk wrote that book, Jab, 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 Right, right Hood, that is LinkedIn. You just give so much value up front. And then you're allowed to say, hey, listen, I have got a product. Would you consider looking at it? And mm-hmm. they're more than happy to. Yeah. They don't have to sell it. You have to sell it to them. But that'd be the consideration's there if you've given them so much value. Mm-hmm. So um, a very powerful platform, and I recommend everyone get onto it. Um, it's still going to be popping for the next two years before it gets um, like Facebook and they start to put paid media over the top of it. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, it's um, it's amazing platform. Oh, great. Do you do any 
cold calling throughout your through through your business Never. or it's just completely through linkedin through linkedin i don't call people come to me because i'm just there to give value so mm. yeah i'm not a big fan of the cold calling i know that you have to but i would rather build relationships first and let them come into my funnel um, if they want to with their expectations in return um I'm really, I'm really confident and happy with the value that I have within my life, and so if I can give a bit more to them, and it's not affecting me, all the better. No, you and know, so I think everyone runs their business in their own ways, and I think you get to play to your strengths, and you've got to be able to work with what works for your business. Yeah. So I think you've been in business for for quite some time now. Yep. You've you've established that base. Yep. Whereas two years ago, when I started my social media agency or my digital yep. marketing agency, I should say. I built the entire thing from cold calling because I didn't know anyone sure. in the industry. I was, sure. I didn't have the social presence. Sure. But I had that deadline of one week. Yeah. Or yeah. My family. So how did cold, so cold calling go for you now? I I still do it religiously every I, single day I as, get a as bit much worried, as I can. And I get a bit worried because I think you become an um, uh, what's the word? You become a professional interrupter. Correct. Because you've that's, got to stop someone on. doing what they're doing to tell them about your product. Mm. That's the only thing I don't like about it. I would rather, within their feed, they're coming through and giving them value. So they go, oh, wow, that's part of, I'm, I'm digesting that as part of my daily routine. Mm. If they want to come and speak to me through direct message, fine, but I'm not stopping them doing what they're doing, mm -hmm. which I don't like doing. That's why I don't like cold calling. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Uh, in my opinion, I think, mm. I think it's almost a bit of a limiting belief that, that people necessarily have because cold calling is one of the, I suppose, hardest or almost daunting things it's to very be able to hard. do. Um, it, yeah, it is, it is hard. So a lot of people are daunted by picking mm. up their phone and disrupting that mm. person's day. Mm. But it's still a very, very effective way of, of being able to gain clientele. And if you're doing it in a certain way, your customers will, will appreciate it. Okay, give um, me a success story of that then. Well, just to give you an example, like I've picked up the phone many, many times, gotten into a conversation, sold a client, and he's later told me, I get 10 calls a day from people like you, sure. but I've never once let a single sure. one of them through. Sure. And so you know what you should do? You should actually find out his details and send him some tickets to the movies absolutely. as a value-add and say, I really appreciate you stopping it. Yeah. Because really, you got to add more value than just... I know that they'll buy the product, mm -hmm. but... I think you just got to be over over generous. Absolutely. I think if there's ways to provide extra value, and, and, and I try and do that through with a lot of my customers just by providing value with a lot of the other Google products that are out there because there's lots of free products out there to market mm. your business on. Yep. And the way I sort of look at things, if it's if someone else is not charging for it, you can do it for free. I'm not going to charge it for it either. I'm happy to walk sure. you through that value, sure. give you that extra value through it. And I do that with a lot of people even in the, in the sales coaching side of things too. I'm more than happy to have a chat with someone and, and offer a, you know, advice on my opinion on what they're doing and yeah. perhaps offer a bit of a structure on how they could do things Great. a little bit differently than what they've currently Great. thought of. Great. Um, I was speaking to a, to a lady the other day and we sort of just went through a business and we spoke about just the process that she could go through in her sales and she hadn't thought of any of that. She just... She was just going to wing it. That's great. But we, we sat down for, you know, 45 minutes on the phone anyway, structured out how her sales process should look, and now she's got a, a documented way that she knows she's going to do this, then this, then this, and then this is what's going to happen. Love it. So that was a free call. I'm happy to, you know, I was happy to go through that with her because she really needed the help. And when she's ready, she she can give me a call back. She knows where I am. Of course she will. So I think that's sort of a yep. the value I like to provide. But yep. Anything that you do extra is, is going that extra I mile. Think and, that's, so. and again, that's disrupting. Yep. That's what's making the difference between you and yep. everyone else. Yep.
Yeah, you've got to you've got to go to people with a unique value proposition. Otherwise, they can get you anywhere. And you don't want to be in a situation where a commodity based business and it just spiraling on price because everyone's going to be cheaper at some point. Mm. So you've got to have that brand value, and that's what Red Bull had. They had a very good product that was unique in the marketplace. Their market um, strategy was really good with a sampling team that went and educated you on the product. So when you walked into a point of purchase for the beverage. You made a decision out of all those other beverages, colas and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which one was going to suit you at that point in time. And obviously, because we'd been educated on the product at Red Bull, you knew that energy, if you're searching for that, it was going to deliver because it gave you wings. And so if you were thirsty, you'd go your, your colas, but if you needed energy, you went Red Bull. So that was a big part of How the education. How did motto come about? Do you know, did you have anything to do with that? No, no, that was back in the days. It was when uh, Mr. Manasich, Dietrich Manasich, and um, his advertising... Oh, it was a guy called Robert. I can't remember what his part of it. This is early days. Mm-hmm. They were trying to work out how they were going to come up with a slogan, and I think... I'm not sure if it was Robert rang Dietrich or something like that at 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, oh, I got it. He said, gives you wings, gives you energy, gives you a lift. And uh, someone said, I love it. So that catch that catch um, catchphrase worked. That's still going. So today. the whole thing is obviously the can within the the bulls in the bulls in the sun, very masculine. Mm-hmm. But Red Bull's always been about the body and mind. So mm-hmm. they, that's why they had the um, artistry of the can and all that kind of thing. So very very smart people running that business, and to see that the longevity it's got now to the point that the brand's so strong they don't have to have to be a beverage anymore. They could be a couple of Formula One teams or they could be surfboard manufacturers. Like that's the power of brand. Yeah, and let's just talk about the power of brand because what's going to happen in the next 10 years is the way that the Google and um, um, Amazon is coming on with these voice activated um, products Mm -hmm. that when you go and ask for something, if you don't say, hey, I want such and such brand product, then Amazon and Google are going to send you theirs. Mm -hmm. So you better get your brand up and running and very front of mind and predominant in today's marketplace. That's right. There's... Some big things happening with some of those brands, yeah, which yeah. we could probably go deep into if we wanted to. Sure, not a podcast. Moving into a into a, the fun part, all right? Okay. So I do a section in in each um, episode where I get you to sell me something. So I'm just going to grab these items here. So we've got a hammer. Yep. So I'm going to put them on the desk. You check them out. Have a feel around while I'm passing them to you. While sure. I explain the rules. Okay. So we've got a hammer. We've got a sanitizing pump with sand sanitizer yep. and we've got a basketball okay cool okay so rules are pretty simple I'm, you pick one of these three items the other two go away and you're going to pitch it to me so i know you said you don't like cold calling but you're going to pretend this is a cold call you're actually going to pitch me okay ring me up introduce yourself the rest of the rules are vague make up whatever you want okay pick the product got to sell it to me and my job is to throw an objection at you so just one of the common ones that we get okay i'll throw at you you've got to try and overcome and then finish the sale sure let's pick see the how you go pick the basketball yep go nuts have a feel of it yep when you're ready give us a buzz okay so how if i just approached you at the company door come um, to you. let's say you're calling me that's uh that's okay. usually how we go uh hi who have i got on the line that's uh, broden speaking hey broden how are you my name's steve dart i'm selling sporting nba basketballs at the moment do you have uh any desire for basketball oh mate not really i mean i play a little bit of basketball with the kids Yep. How many kids you got? Two. Do they follow basketball? 
Not really, no. They're a bit too young for that. They just like to throw it around the house. Oh, do they? Okay. Well, listen, I got this Spalding NBA basketball, one of a kind, actually signed by Gary Vaynerchuk when I was down there at one of his conferences. Gary Vaynerchuk's one of the best social media gurus in the world. This ball now, as you'd probably see it, is probably just used for sport and recreation, but I think if you hang on for this for another 10 years with his signature on it, mm-hmm. it's going to be worth $30,000. Are you interested in buying it today for 80 80000 $80. $80. <sighs> Mate, I might Don't have to just think about it. Look at the signature on there. It's going to be worth eight. It's going to be worth thirty thousand dollars. It's a steal. Can I can I think about it? Yeah, for sure. What do you think? Fair point. All right, mate. Let's Don't go. Look at the basketball. Look at the signature on there. <laughs> I do like Gary. So I'm you, taking your eye off the price. You definitely you, you, you definitely hit a sweet spot with me there. there if, it's, uh, if it's got Gary's signature on it for it eighty has, bucks, and I got it signed, and I've got photos showing it. It's been signed by him, and he's very hard to sign anything these days because he's so busy. That's right. You would have paid a bit of money to get tough in did, front of him. I did. Did so he do a better deal? No. No. All right, give it here. <laughs> Thanks, mate. See, I took you off the price. So I didn't talk about the basketball. I'll talk about um, opportunities within that basketball. The reason I did that is because I actually, that's what I got done. Mm-hmm. When I went down and saw him in Sydney a couple of years ago, everyone was getting book signings and I took two basketballs. And what it did, it mm-hmm. made him remember me, which was good, but it also got him just to stop just scribbling on books and really look at the texture of that basketball and sign it with passion because he loves basketball. So I had one for me. Yeah. And then, because I've Australian made basketballs by a company called Play Hard Sports I work with. Right. And I said, here's one for Xander, X, your son, and it's from Australia. And he just looked at me, he's like, wow, man, thank you so much. We connected. Yeah. So that's what I did. That, that, that's pretty good. Yeah. So that's I still a... got the basketball now and he's got the other one for his son. Yeah, nice. That's a good so one to show value. I've got a good mate. Well, he's, he's become a good mate who um, is kind of like one of um, Gary's um, men, um, side guys over there, mm-hmm. Alex Simone, and uh, I always say to him, hey, how's the basketball? And he goes, yeah, he loves it, mate. His son's having a good time, and it's Australian, mate. So I, can, I don't really talk to Gary, but I talk to his offsiders and, you know, sort of stuff like that. But just showing that whole technique then, you would, I, was, I could have sold you a basketball, mm-hmm. but I was selling you an experience that you would never get anywhere else. Mm. I think that's – well, given the rules of that, that was – I think that was great. As Thank you. An everyday basketball is an everyday basketball that I don't really have interest yeah. in, but – yeah. I do. I, I, I well, do I, like Gary I, I just basically went through an ROI because I knew that that ball would be worth a lot of money in 10 years. If you could be wait, if you could wait and be patient, you could sell that for a lot of money, but I was only selling to $80. Mm. You were trying to get me down on price. I wasn't budging. I mm. knew the value, and you started to see the value too because I didn't budge. <laughs> That's right. I didn't if want you it. weren't interested, I'd just go, next, and yeah. walk away. That's it. You've got to be prepared to walk away. And that's a really Don't good point Don't sell the unsellable. Absolutely. You've, well, you've got to be prepared to lose the deal to get the deal. Sure. That's something that I learned early that's on. That's a very good thing. If you are, you, you've got to be that prepared because it, a lot of the time, um, especially if, you, you know, if you're getting commission off it or, or something like that, you might see a salesperson and he's, you know, he's only the last few dollars he needs his commission. He's getting desperate. Yeah. He will not sell a th- anything for the life of him because sure. it, it shows. But if you're in that point where you can sort of sit back confidently, relax, and you don't you, you you still care about the customer, but you're prepared yeah. to lose that deal if that's not going to go the way Correct. that it has to go. Yeah. You your customer will come to you more often than not, and they will buy it. Yeah. So really good point to make there. Thank you. What 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 would you say is the most important sales lesson that you've ever learned? Tell the truth. Yeah. Always. Just and forever. Yeah. Because if you don't. It's only going to be, it's come back to you down the track 100%. You've got to, if you, if you believe in what you're selling, I keep saying this, but it's just tried and true, you mm. know, and uh, 
I could walk around with that basketball, so many people, not interested in it, just didn't see the value. But when I connected someone who likes Gary Vaynerchuk and says, oh, I would love a product with his signature, I could have sold it to you for 300 That's right. I probably would have bought it too. You would have too. Yeah. Got to believe in what you're selling. And so does your connection too. So just move on. Next. Move on. Next. It's a, it's a numbers game. Yeah. Awesome. Good good advice. I think there's been some good topics to cover in this podcast. I'm glad I get help. To, to wrap it up though, where can people find you? Anywhere on LinkedIn. Yeah. To search my name, Steve Dart. You'll find me. Uh, Steve at dartmarketing.com.au. I'm there. Just hit me up, DM me, and um, tell me if you've got any issues or any problems you want me to answer, and yeah, see what I can do. More than happy to help. Always free advice is great. That's, Absolutely. I, that's how I got to where I am as well. Oh, no, I'll be picking your brain. No problem. All right, sounds good. Mate, thanks for coming on. My really pleasure. Appreciate it's been it. great, and good luck with everything. I hope everything goes really well. No, for you too. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thanks, mate. This has been the Tales of Sales podcast with Broden Johnson. To master the art and science of selling, follow us on our socials at BrodenJohnson1 or check out our website, thesalesacademy.com.au and remember, keep an eye out for our upcoming book, Core Selling. See you next week.